Well, we are here today for the final part of the relationship series. We are part four. Hope you've been enjoying it. Do, has our relationship gotten better or worse over the four <laughs> weeks of preparing sermons together? <laughs> I said to Joel, it's and a, having review meetings. I know it's a stitch up, really, because having to, you know, work together to like create the sermons is like, you know. It's awesome. An opportunity, <laughs> an opportunity for conflict. It is, it is, it is. I think we've done really well. Do you reckon you've been a better wife over the last four weeks or a worse one? Do you know what? I think I'm just always great. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not true, but we'd all like to be our own critic, wouldn't uh, we? I know, I know. Yeah. It's only the Lord who gets to decide mm. what he does is great. Mm. Um, the rest of us need to be evaluated by him. How, how have I done? Yeah, 10 out of 10. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> no, I think, you're, I think you're doing amazing, actually. Maybe if you zoom in on no, the perfect moment. I think that over this time I've had more like, what can I do to help you? And like bringing me cups of tea mm. and things like that. And yeah. so I think he's doing great. <laughs> oh. Well, I tell you, this is the end of relationships, so that all stops oh, tomorrow. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Great, that's good. So we've talked about singleness. You can catch up online if you've missed any other weeks. We've talked about singleness week one. We've talked about marriage and like the key to all of our relationships, which is being mutually submissive to one another and practicing that. That'll enrich every relationship. Last week, what did we talk about? We talked about how you've got to be a transformed person to experience transformed relationships. And today we want to talk about one thing and then uh, address some questions that have come up over the course of the weeks from people. Does that sound good? Yeah. We, we've got some memes to share. Got some memes. Is it me memes? Memes. 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 Yeah. That's why I call them memes, because I don't <laughs> even know how to pronounce it, because I'm not up with the play at all. What have we got this week? Some goodies. All right. Single people, when you name and claim your future wife, <laughs> you will be issued with a restraining order. Uh, you know, just the Lord might tell you that you're going to marry that person, but if you tell them, that's a sure... Yeah, you know, do thing that. that's not going to happen. The Lord may don't have intended it, but you ruined it. Um, <laughs> don't I, do that. We actually had somebody and I was like, why don't I see you at church anymore? And, she, and, and he said, well, someone thinks that I'm going to be their husband. <laughs> and they keep telling me. Um, so they stopped. They found a new church. So don't do that. I just brought my husband a Get Better Soon card. He's not sick. I just think he could be better. <laughs> I love that so much. I'm going to do that. Husbands and wives, maybe you could write a card on your way home and just issue it with a list of ways they can improve. That'll help your marriage. At least it's all out in the open. What else have we got, team? When you ask God for a sign and then she brings you to this restaurant. Look at his just face. friends. <laughs> you friend know zone. you're in the friend zone. <laughs> uh, we got any more? Brain cells die, skin cells die, even hair cells die. But the fat cells in my stomach must have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour since they seem to have eternal life. I don't know what it has to do with relationships, Nothing. but it slipped in there this week. Nothing to do with it, but it's good. My husband asked if he had any annoying habits. Then he got all offended during the PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Relationships, they are a joy and they are also a wrestle. They are, you know, when our relationships are going well, like our lives, there's something about it that feels so enriched. When our friendships are going well, our church relationships, our family relationships for sure. When they're not going so well though, there's almost nothing worse. 
right? And so we want to continue to learn to do relationships God's way. What's, what's the first thing we need to talk about today? We're going to talk about having a vision for your relationships, having a vision for your relationships. I think this is just so, so important because I know for many of us in our relationship struggles, some of our worst fear is that it will, nothing will ever change that it will just stay the same. And so having a vision for our relationships is just a great way to safeguard things staying the same. And so I think you had some really great thoughts. I've got so many great thoughts. You did. Uh, I'm filled with them. Uh, A few bad ones too, but hopefully good ones today. I, I think when it comes to our relationships, having a vision is super important. We know like, you know, we got kids, you're trying to get them to have a vision for their life or a vision for their career. We all understand those sorts of things. And then when you have a vision, it's sort of like, okay, yeah, well, maybe you could achieve that one day if you do the work, if you, you know, study this, if you put in the hours, that sort of thing. Well, relationships are the same. They don't end up great by default. They end up great by design. And so if we want to have great relationships with our parents, we want to have great relationships with our kids, we want to have great marriage, we want to have great friendships, we want to have great relationships in the church, wherever it is, it actually starts by getting a vision for what those things could be. And that starts by like sort of looking down the future. That might just be in one year. If you struggle to look too far ahead, it might be in 10 years, it might be in 20 years. It might be just looking back and going, hey, if I imagined myself at my own funeral and wondered what people might say about me and sort of working our way backwards from that, it gives us some things to think about in our relationships. And I think there's something powerful about going, where do I want my marriage to be in 10 years? Where do I want my friendships to be in one year? There's something powerful about that that then helps us like a builder, right? Or like an architect, they design the home, but then you figure out, well, what skills, what tools, what materials do I need to build that home? And when I think about my relational life, what skills, what tools, what expertise will I need to pick up along the way to build that sort of relationship? Because none of us have everything we need. We actually have to learn things along the way to make that possible, right? Yeah. We've got a, um, a bit of a practice that we have on New Year's Day where we just go, all right, well, this year, what are the goals for our marriage? What are the goals for our family? You know, what are the goals for our work? And so you just start the year with that, having that vision. Um, Proverbs, um, one of the Proverbs, I've forgotten that... Um, the reference, but it says that without vision, people perish. Or in the message translation, it says, without vision, people stumble all over themselves. And if we're not aiming for something, honestly, we're just going to go round in circles. Yeah. And, um, and I also want to say that you don't have your partner or the person you're in relationship with doesn't have to be a Christian in order for you to have a vision for your relationship. And of course, you can do the sneaky and every vision that you add, you know, is a godly one. So, you know, so you'd say perhaps um, I'd love that if in our relationship we would be so quick to forgive that we would, um, you know, be each other's biggest encourager, speak life, you know, and not each other's biggest critic, you know, things like that. And so anyone can do it. Yeah, and when we're, when we're building a vision for our relationships, what it means is that we're actually, like, re- have an opportunity to rewrite the scripts mm. 
that maybe we've inherited or that we're running to without realising it, if that makes sense. Like, with, if you just let the culture inform you, and all of us do, it's the, the water we swim in, we will pick up that ultimately the goal of relationships is to make us happy. If you don't really give it much thought, that's pretty much the message that everything is sending you, that the goal of your relationships is to make you happy. And if you're not feeling happy, it's probably somebody's fault. Not yours, of course. It's probably a type of relationship you have. It might be your husband's fault, your wife's fault. It might be your church's fault. It might be your friend's fault. God forbid it's ever your own fault. Uh, it's always somebody else. But, but when, what happens is we can pick up that script without realising it and we're running to it and we can be dissatisfied. We can be unhappy without realising, wait, who told me the point of my relationships is to make me happy? That's not God's vision. That's not God's script. Happiness matters. Nobody wants to be unhappy, but you very rarely get happiness by aiming for happiness. Actually, it's the upside down way of life that Jesus invites us into that actually brings us a deeper happiness, a joy. And I, I know that, that like, man, if I just left to my own device, I actually just want everything to work for me. I want to come home. I want things to be the way I want them. I don't want to have to put in any effort. But if I remember, actually, the point of the relationship, the vision isn't that, that everyone else would make me happy, but the vision is to be Christ in these relationships to glorify God. It's amazing how satisfying it is making my wife a cup of tea. It's amazing how satisfying it is serving family. It actually does make you happy. And so in having a vision, we can challenge some of those scripts that we pick up. And we can remind ourselves like, what's the point of our relationships? To glorify God in them, to bring Him glory, to fulfill His purposes. And so, um, and in that, I think there's deep satisfaction as there is in all of the ways of the Lord, for sure. Yeah, I think sometimes in those conversations when it's like, I need you to do this and this and this to make me happy. It's like, no, you don't need that from that person. You just need Jesus. <laughs> Go to him, please. Fill your own tank, you know? Yeah. That'd be good. For sure, you just lay it down. <laughs> That's what you say to me. So you don't need me. You and sometimes Jesus. I'm like, Go to the Lord. <laughs> Go to the Lord. <laughs> That's great. Um, conflict resolution. That was a question asked this week's come up over the series. Like, how do we resolve yeah. conflict? And I think the first thing we need to say about conflict is conflict isn't a bad thing. It's a human thing. The nature of every relationship, if it's going to be more than superficial, you are going to experience conflict and that is okay. That's the sign that we're getting beneath the surface. And here's the other thing about conflict that makes it healthy, is it means we still have something to offer each other. So in marriage, it doesn't mean the two becoming one means, doesn't mean the two have the same mind. Doesn't mean the two have the same experience, the same wisdom. The two becoming one is about us bringing those things together to find one way together. And so in friendships, in church, in marriage, conflict is a sign that we still have something to offer each other, some wisdom, some differing opinion. Yeah. It's more about how we do conflict yeah. that matters. It is. And I think that, you know, we all have different personality makeups, right? And some of you, you just kind of love a debate. You just kind of love to get in there, right? You'll be the first to chuck in your opinion. Um, and others that were like, oh, it's like actually if there's any type of conflict, like, <laughs> I'm out, you know? And so I think depending on our personality types depends also on how we kind of 
view it as good or bad, and like that's been a big thing for me. Yeah, you're you're a bit of a conflict avoider. I, right? Definitely, I always have been, and actually, <laughs> when we were quite newly married, and um, Sandro was just little. Um, <laughs> <laughs> One time I remember some conflict started coming up and he leant over to Joel and he said, is she going to run? <laughs> because I used to actually run out the door <laughs> and just so go through a run around the marriage, okay? <laughs> um, But I had to learn, like people would say, it's healthy, it's good. Um, and I kind of knew that here, but it took a little while for it for me to know that there and to know that, okay, this is all right and to take a deep breath and to just know that um, we're not looking at each other as the problem, we're together looking at the problem um, and that's a really helpful helpful thing. Yeah, didn't you ask the kids a couple of weeks ago, like how <laughs> yeah. do they think we deal with conflict and what yeah. they say? Yeah, well, the one that's not shy of sharing his opinion, um, <laughs> he, <laughs> he said, well... Um, he said, oh, well, you know, you guys will just argue a little bit and then one of you will quickly realise that it's stupid and apologise. And I thought, that's not too bad. That is what I do, yeah. Yeah, they did say it was 90% over here. <laughs> um, I but would I say think... Katie doesn't do that very often. No, but uh... I think it's because I don't really have to as much. Um... Oh, classic. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. <laughs> um, but actually, another really biggie um, for us in conflict resolution I want to share this scripture and because um, we're talking about relationships God's way, right? Conflict resolution God's way. James 1 verse 19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I read a quote that being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Isn't that amazing? Like being heard is so close to being loved that it's almost indistinguishable. And just how much we can um, offer and actually put like water on a fire <laughs> when we actually just are, are quick to listen and slow to speak. Yeah. And if we're not, like we'll, we'll share a few more things about how to wrestle with conflict and how to do it well, some different ideas. But I think what we need to understand is like conflict comes up a lot in marriage because you're living together, you're having to go deeper. And conflict is a sign that you're going deeper, that you're actually not pretending, you're not faking, you're not surface living, you're not peace faking, but you're actually you know, bringing your full self to the table. And if you're here and your experiences, your friendships never experience conflict, in church relationships, if you never experience conflict, if in your small groups, you never experience conflict, if in your families, you do not experience conflict, it's a sign that you're not going deep enough. It's a sign actually that you're faking it, that you're at a surface level in those relationships because as we go deeper, we realise there's stuff and as we, as we go there, it comes up and our difference of opinion comes up. And so don't avoid it. Don't be a peace faker. Be a peacemaker. Go deeper. Maybe here today you realise, yeah, my, my friendships aren't deep enough. I'm not experiencing It's like we don't go hunting after conflict, but it is a sign if it comes up every now and then that we're bringing our full selves to the table there. And so, you know, it's not a bad sign. It's a good sign. But when we're there, you've already talked about we can be good listeners. Yeah. You've talked about we can separate the problem from the person. Mm. And one of the ways even to, to practically do that is to be not be like, 
I hate when you, or, but to actually go like, um, I'm, when you do that, I often feel this way. And so I'm not saying that you're in charge of my feelings because you're not, or that like, you know, I'm in charge of my own feelings. But, but by being able to go like, actually when that happens, I often find myself feeling this way is a way of just separating it all from the person. I'm not attacking. I'm not, it's not even about you. I'm saying I feel this way and it gives us, and then if we're in loving relationships, somebody's of course gonna go, oh, I don't want you feeling that way. How else could I do that? How else could I, how can we each play our part? So there's lots of constructive ways to talk about our conflicts that bring us closer together in love and in truth rather than just peace fake. We're, we're peacemaking, yeah. Yeah, I think we can be good at peace faking as Christians. Yes, all the time. <laughs> all and then the time. somebody leaves the church because they've been peace faking yeah. for so long rather than being like, just, actually, that really annoyed me. Yeah. Can we talk about that? yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, I've, you know, using the words always and never, those are fighting words. Those are fighting words. Not very helpful oh, yeah, at all. Those aren't um, love keeps no record of wrongs. Mm. Yep. That means that you've been harbouring the stuff mm. rather than speaking the stuff mm. and, uh, and you've been, you've been mm. adding it all up and yeah. that's never constructive. Yeah. But the, the Proverbs say, Tie loyalty and kindness Mm. around your neck. Bind them around your heart. There's this sense of if we want to do relationships well, we need to do them over the long term with people. And if we're going to do them over the long term with people, we're going to have conflict. And so learning to deal with conflict well is essential to having lifelong enriching relationships. That's right. I just want to give one more little tip. Perfect. For those of you that are like um, not lovers of the conflict. Um, And so this is uh, something that somebody who um, is such a wise man gave me because I really struggled. I gave her this. No, (laughs) you didn't. But it works really well on you. Um, (laughs) um, So, is this advice or like a manipulation? No, 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 no. It's not at all. No, one of the things I've found really helpful is you can say, "Hey, I have a different opinion on this. Is that something you would like to hear?" Because it it gives them a chance to be like to invite. That you're not pushing it on anybody. You're saying, I've got a different opinion. Is that something you would like to hear? And so then they are saying, oh, yes, actually, I would like to hear it. And it kind of disarms it. And so that's just my little gift to you. Um, works great. I've got a tip too. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's your tip? Well, that a really wise person once told me. <laughs> That wasn't my wife. Um, No, I think the other thing is, like, when we're in relationships, for those that are married, you would know that conflict often doesn't come up at the most convenient time. Normally it comes to a head at a time that is not the best time to deal with it. Normally it's coming up when you're tired, when you're under the pump with the kids, when it's dinner time, there's a lot of people smiling and nodding right now. Because, you know, like, it comes to a head at that time because those are the times that you're together or you're in the pressure Often that isn't the best time to address it. And so one of the best ways to learn to deal with conflict is to learn to park it until a constructive time. I can tell you lying in bed at 10 p.m. is not a constructive time to deal with your conflict. You're both losing altitude at that point, right? You're both, like, you're losing perspective. That's when depression's setting in, you know? And so just learning to be like, this is so important. Let's make some time to talk about it when we're at our best. Maybe when we're not 
all flared up about it, maybe when we have better perspective, you know, when the pressure's not on, when the kids aren't running around, the dinner needs to get served. So just learn to park things and to respect each other. Be like, totally, let's make some time tomorrow over coffee to talk about this. Let's, let's do all the weekend or whatever it is. Great. Yeah. What other questions came up this week? Uh, how to build, how do I build deeper relationships? How do I build deeper friendships? That was something that, that came up. Um, so I love the proverb, Proverb 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. But, you know, that only happens if we're actually having beyond the surface conversations. That only happens if we're sharing our wrestles, if we're sharing our victories, if we're sharing our faith with each other. And in that space, iron sharpens iron. Um, and so I think one of the things that we can do is to just find better questions. Just find better questions. Honestly, you can even use Google if you like. Questions to build deeper friendship. It's like gives you heaps. Um, I, I have been Googling it. Um, what is your favourite childhood memory? What worries keep you up at night? What are you praying for at the moment? What is God saying to you at the moment? What is something you would like to accomplish but fear gets in the way? You know, when we actually ask these better questions, we start to um, get to know the person a whole lot better and um, I think that's just a great tool. Yeah, when I was studying counselling, which may surprise many people here, <laughs> when I was a lot younger and I learned I never want to be a counsellor. Um, but I'm thankful for the great Christian counsellors there are out there. One, the quote that stuck with me from that time was, if you ask me what I think, you can put me in a box. But if you ask me what you feel, I can get to know you. And I think if we wanna build like deeper connections, it's about asking questions, but not just about political opinions or not about the weather, but actually getting to the heart of somebody. What's going on for you right now? How are you feeling about that situation? What's, it, what's experiencing God look like for you in this last season? What are you most worried about? What are you most hopeful for? These are getting into the sort of who the person is and what's going on for them. So the more of that sort of stuff. As a guy, like I'm sure it's true as well for girls to certain aspects, but generally the ways for guys to build deeper friendships is not to get a coffee or a beer and sit across a table from each other, although there are times for that for sure and have some straight you know, talk. But generally, we build great friendships when we're committed to something beyond the friendship together. Like we actually, a lot of relationships get built not face to face, but shoulder to shoulder. And it's actually when we do things together that along the way we build those connections. And so that's why sports clubs and those sorts of things, they still exist and they still enrich people's lives, right? Because over common interest, over common activity, over time, relationships get built and strengthened. And I'm sure that even happened this week over kids' winter warm-up as yeah, people are serving together. It did, yeah. yeah. I was talking to two beautiful women who I know and love them both, and they just said, wow, this was such an amazing opportunity, serving alongside each other. We got to know each other, to whakawhanaunatanga, really well um, because, you know, they were just serving alongside together, just different to showing up on a Sunday and having a chat. 
Um, I was talking to um, at my young adult small group this week and um, we were talking about singleness, lots of single girls, and they were just saying as well, you know, even before dating, when we were talking about getting to know the person to see if you actually even want to date them, um, it's kind of awkward often just having the coffees and just looking at them, but how much more helpful it is to go for a walk together or, you know, to play mini golf or, you know, to do something so you're not just staring at the other person. Yeah, I gave them a helpful tip. I said, if you really like them, just say, oh, I don't know how to putt um, and get them to help you and just see how that goes. The tricks of the trade, eh? <laughs> they were like... <laughs> a, lo a, lot of, a lot of people do experience loneliness in different seasons of their life. If you're experiencing that, that's normal. That's part of the course of that. That's your, your soul screaming out, being like, your relationships need some more effort. And so if you want that to be different in a year's time, if you want it to be different in two years' time, put the work in to build stronger relationships. Find things you're interested in. Like if you're married here and you're both feeling like, man, we don't have strong relationships outside the marriage, make sure you're providing time to release each other into some time where those relationships can be built. And it's just gonna, it's, that will only enrich all of our lives. And so... I mean, other tips would be like, show up for people when it matters. That, that's how you, show up on moving day. Show up when they've experienced a loss in their life. Show up and just eat together. The more you can share food, there's just something magical and mystical and just glorious about the more we can eat together, it actually binds us together. That's true, that's true. Um, another question we had was like, what do I do when my kids stop wanting to come to church? Yeah, that is, that's, uh, that's parenting struggle right there. And I think for most parents, it would be normal to have a time in our lives where our kids want to push back on coming to church with us. So let's just say that doesn't make you an, uh, a failing parent. It doesn't make you, it just makes you a parent. That's all. And it's no different. There's times that kids don't want to go to school. There's time the kids don't want to play the, the sport that they've been into. You know, these things are part of it. For me, I think when it comes to parenting, you have to decide what you're about and you have to decide what the non-negotiables in your life, in your family values are going to be. And for us, you know, we, we go to church more than most people go to church. <laughs> We're here three times a week, every week. And so our kids know that as a family, we go to church. And we've been super thankful for lots of reasons why, generally speaking, they've continued to be excited about that. But I wanna say as parents, Stick to your guns about what your family's about because you do this in other areas of your parenting. It's like if schooling is important to your family, then you're like, hey, I know you don't want to go this week. I know you might want to drop out a little bit early, but hey, we finished school in our family or whatever it is. And it's like, uh, it might be like sports. I know lots of parents, like you're passionate about your kids being in sports and your kids aren't dumb. They see that you're committed to the practices, that you're committed to getting them there every Saturday or Friday night or whatever it is. And then if you only come to church every two or three weeks, but you make every single practice in every single sports game, the kids pick up on that hypocrisy. What's really important? They got a very small chance of being a professional sports person. But a huge chance of not walking with the Lord if you don't model walking with the Lord and being committed to church. And so, yes, they might push back. And yes, those can be delicate conversations and there can be different seasons. But I say stick to your guns and go, for me and my house, 
We're gonna serve the Lord. And for us, that means this is a big rock. And you know, more times than not, we find ourselves in the house of the Lord. There's other things you can do to be intentional. Help your kids build friendships in the church they go to. It's gonna make it a lot easier to see them excited to come. They might not love the kids' church, and I love our kids' team. They might not love the youth group on different times, but if they got friends there, they'll keep coming. And so do, you know, put in the effort. Pastor's gonna help you connect with different people if you like. I don't even know how to begin with that. We'd love to help with that sort of stuff. But we should finish last week uh, just about having faith for our relationships and just lead into a bit of ministry time because I believe God wants to turn up and... Uh, really minister to different ones of us in our relational lives. Yeah. yeah, I've noticed that the tendency when we've got struggles in our relationship, the tendency is over time to pray less than to pray more because I think we get really familiar with the struggle and after a while of praying the same kind of prayer, right, <laughs> um, it's like our faith can weaken a little bit or we can just kind of accept things as they are and, you know, Jesus, he actually shared a parable of the persistent widow and he said that he shared it in order that we would know to pray and not give up, to pray and not give up. And so I just want to um, perhaps remind those of you the importance of enduring in faith, of enduring in faith, of daily, of continually praying um, and having faith for your relationships. And so we're going to um, do that. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a left hand and a right hand thing, right? Mm. Over the series, we've been talking a lot about the pragmatics and there are lots of pragmatics mm. that will enrich our relational lives. Mm. But for particularly those people here, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your friendships, maybe it's something in your family, sometimes things can break down and it's not just the pragmatics that need a shift. It's something in our spirit. It's something of God's spirit needs to turn up and shift things. And so we don't want to just go all pragmatic. We don't want to go hyper faith on it. We want to partner the left hand and the right hand together and believe for God to move powerfully in our midst, in our relationships. So the, the worship team, can you guys please um, begin to come? And uh, yeah, actually we could all stand to our feet if you're willing and able.